0: using a tool that is purpose-built for the medical device industry and trained to the guidances and the regulations, you know that the answers that you're getting are going to be from the correct sources that you want them from. Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds
1: in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Hey guys, 2024 is right around the corner, so now is the time to upgrade your software stack. There's never been a better time to check out Greenlight Guru's quality and clinical solutions that are purpose-built for the medtech industry. Greenlight Guru solutions have been proven to deliver a 50% reduction in time spent on de- design and development documentation, a 50% reduction in time spent preparing for audits, and much more. Greenlight Guru has been named the number one medical quality management system by G2. So sign up for a demo today at Greenlight.Guru greenlight.guru/demo and for a limited time we will give you a free quality manual. Let us know what you think. greenlight.guru/demo. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Global Medical Device Podcast. My name is Etienne Nichols. Today with me is Wade Schrader, a medical device guru extraordinary from Greenlight Guru. How are you doing today, Wade?
0: Doing good, doing good. How are you doing, Etienne?
1: Doing okay. Doing doing good. I sh- I shouldn't say okay or good. I should say great.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um well I especially cuz I get to talk to you today we don't have matching shirts like the last time I'm actually really sad about that but <laughs> I am excited about the topic we get to talk to talk about which is artificial intelligence specifically as it applies to medtech we've we've heard a lot about AI recently but what are your what what's your take at the moment
0: yeah I I think right now it's still it's still early I think we're still learning what tools work well for what tasks and I think companies are still figuring out what they want to build. so uh, it's it's still early, but it it's neat to see kind of the direction it's going and how it can save time right now,
1: yeah. and one of the reasons we' brought this up is because Greenlight grew recently put out a report on this, and it's called the AI in Medtech trend report for twenty twenty three. We surveyed over 200 medical device professionals worldwide. We analyzed their, well, their use, but also their skepticism of AI. And so, I don't know. I'd I'd love to talk to you a little bit about this report. We'll put a link in the show notes as well, so people can check it out. What are your, what were your initial thoughts when you started reading, uh, reading the report?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different takeaways from this. One of them that really stood out to me was just the barrier to entry with AI. And I think it's because a lot of people thought the same way I did, where it's, you know, how much do I trust AI at this point? That there was, I think it was 84% um of respondents um didn't oh no this was this was a different one. Apologies. This was 65% of respondents didn't trust the accuracy of the data, which you know it's a new technology. Um I think everyone's, you know, not everyone, but a lot of people have tried out like chat GPT and don't always get exactly what you're hoping for and things like that. So it's understandable. Um so that that really stood out to me and it, it gets me thinking of, you know, how can we get to the the stage where you can trust it? And what
1: yeah.
0: what do we need to do to get to that stage? Yeah. And
1: it was interesting just to look at the different usage statistics and basically who was using. Uh, who, who's using AI. And one of the things that I thought was interesting is that corporate executives are in the highest. There's 60% uh, of corporate executives that we that we interviewed uh, are using AI. And then manufacturing operations is second at 50%, with product development and engineering be 40%, which I, I would have expected product development and engineering maybe to be a little bit higher. Um, and then clinical kind of tied with 40%, which makes sense, uh, I would think. Um quality and regulatory being the 28% and the, the the bucket of other being 22%, but quality and regulatory being 28%, the the <laughs> smallest um identifiable category. Uh why do you think that is? <laughs>
0: I, I guess I it, think that ties back to what I was saying. I think they're you know quality is their job. They, like I that's that's they probably trust it a little bit less. Um I don't know if there's a correlation between those, but I also think about the tasks that you're using AI for and not to like bucket corporate executives, but a lot of times they talk about being way behind on emails and chat GPT. That is probably the most common use I hear from, you know, talking to people in the industry, but also just talking to my friends, you know, people love using it to help them craft emails. And that's, that's my, at least, uh, assumption for why corporate executives might be a little bit higher is because of those tasks that they're doing the current AI tools out there fit that really well
1: yeah and w- you know one of the things when i think about ai it's kind of like an iceberg we're seeing the tip of the iceberg with the use of chat gpt for manipulating your email when in reality there's this whole other Air world under the water that we don't really uh, don't always think about, and that's one of the things I want to get into with you in just a minute, as far as AI uh, and how AI tools can help medtech specifically. But maybe before we get there, one of the things I wanted to throw out is there are opportunities for early adopters, and and I kind of equate this to my, my quote unquote early adoption of SolidWorks when I was in in college. I I was trained on SolidWorks 3D modeling CAD, you know, computer aided design. And when I got out, you might think, okay, well, I'm not that old. It wasn't new, but I worked at a company that had, uh, we had the drafting tables. We had NX ideas. We had, uh, I think we had five different programs for for manipulating software, including microfilm or in, in looking at the drawings I, to correct myself. Um, and so I knew SOLIDWORKS. So I was a, a bit of a go-to guy when it came to how to use SOLIDWORKS and because everything was going to SOLIDWORKS. And I think that is kind of a tipping point for a lot of people coming out who know how to use AI in your company, because one of the things that I, I noticed, um, if I can find it, you know, this is kind of a bigger report. There are a lot of a lot of different things, but it was a high number of people who they, they had no training or nobody in their company really knew much about AI or, or its use. So you can be that person. And I think that's a, an opportunity for, for med tech professionals.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's that's a great analogy too, because I think just as for your company, it was kind of like the tip of the iceberg. It was you know the edge they were transitioning at that point. I think that's where we're at with AI. Is not many people have adopted it more than we'll say email. Um, not many people have adopted it beyond that. So if you know you're finding ways to adopt it beyond that, finding other tools out there you know, built specifically for what you're doing um, with your job and quality or product development, Um, yeah, you can really be on the cutting edge and be really valuable to your company and to the industry by knowing that stuff.
1: Yeah. On the flip side, I can't help but wonder if maybe we're also seeing something like we saw in the 2020s with Zoom fatigue when everybody had to go to Zoom and and they're like, "Oh, I'm video off, sound off. I'm just going to veg out on my chair while everybody does their meeting thing." Um are we feeling a little bit of AI fatigue? I feel like maybe some people I talk
0: to are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say especially lately. I you know, even just like thinking about this report uh, a lot of a lot of that it was a questionnaire that went out a few months ago. And I think even in like these few months that it's taken to like compile all the data and put together the report, I think people have probably become even more fatigued in that amount of time just because everywhere you look, it's we have AI to help you with this. We got, you know, we integrate with Chat GPT and all this different stuff. It's like all of the just it it's becoming almost annoying to hear the word ai at times um and it all you know depends on your job depends how much you're hearing it and and all that stuff but i've heard from a lot of people that yeah it is the word ai is becoming fatigued at this point and i i think there's going to be a tipping point to where that's going to stop you know it's not going to be a buzzword as much it's not going to be as hot there's going to be something else that becomes the hot new buzzword but ai will very much have its place in useful and helpful tools, not just every company putting it in just to put it in to say they have AI.
1: Right. So, yeah. And, and I mean, just to, I guess, kill the analogy, I mean, with Zoom fatigue, you know, we don't, we didn't get rid of Zoom because we, we were a little bit tired at the times for, yeah. uh, we just had to learn how to use it and implement it into our natural workflow. And now it is kind of an everyday thing that we, that we use. Okay. So, that being said, so let's go on to talk specific for medtech. What are some of the tools that you're seeing developed and uh could could really enhance a medtech professional's life and, and quality of life?
0: Yeah, yeah. I you know, I'm a little biased because I I work at Greenlight and so I get to see uh get to see those tools. Um but some some of them that are really neat. Just just thinking about like what AI can do with the, you know, crunching of large amounts of numbers um putting it together and doing probabilistic estimations and taking um you know natural language processing that's the, well, that's what chat gpt people know it for is like being able to put things together really easily but also to understand what you're saying um so those two together um greenlight actually has what we call risk intelligence um, and we're embedding it in into your ISO 14971 risk matrix to help you in making it easier to align to what the FDA is going to be expecting from you, but also to you know save you time as well. And what that's looking like uh, in our risk intelligence tool is you can actually take your product code, put it into this risk intelligence tool and it's going to pull all of the data from the mod database for you and put that together, um, using Bayesian statistics, it's going to give you estimates for how often those things are occurring, the, the, the harms that have been reported for your product code, the harms and the hazards that have been reported for, for your product code in that mod database. And it's going to give you that data in a format where you can have that list and decide for yourself, okay, looks like out in the industry, the products that have the same product code, these things are happening very highly. So we got to make sure we're targeting these. And we're targeting them early, too, in our design. So it can help you start your design earlier uh, with with risk in mind earlier, I should say. And you can design your device from the beginning with those potential harms in mind and to, to really mitigate those out from from the very beginning, I think, which, which is huge. It, it helps that cold start problem where everyone experiences this in design and development. No one wants to start risk management. Everyone delays it. Um, which isn't good I mean it, it's it it causes issues we all know that um, and so this is gonna this helps with the cold start problem because it pools known risks out there in the industry and relative probabilities and severities for those for you to help you focus from the very beginning to mitigate those um, that's, that's one way I, I
1: yeah go ahead go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that's a really good point, and it's good timing too because in September, I think it was September seventh, the FDA came out with a draft guidance on choosing a, a predicate. Um, let me see here; it's uh, uh, it's called "Best Practices for Selecting a Predicate Device to Support a Premarket Notification Five Ten K Submission." I looked it up while you were talking. I didn't; I I wasn't planning to talk about this, but it's it's just kind of really fits in well with what you're what you're saying because if you're able to go and look up those product codes or those uh, harms. And events in the field that are happening associated to your product code, it can help you also select your predicate because one of the things they're recommending is they don't they would prefer you not to be using any uh, predicate device with uh, uh, an unmitigated use related or design related safety issue. Uh, there, there's like four different four different sections of this uh, guidance, but. That could help you get around those conversations because you may think, "Oh, we're planning it. We're planning it. We're, we already have designed for all those things." Well, you better be ready to talk to them because if you have a predicate that has issues in the field, that's one of the things that the FDA is going to clue in on and and really hone in on. So that's that's cool.
0: That yeah, that's a great point. I that is yeah to use that from the beginning to choose your predicate device appropriately because that and that could change a lot of things. Choosing your you know maybe a different predicate device results in different testing that you have to do and stuff um different product code even potentially um depending on you know if you decide to change your intended use and things like that but um yeah and in the other side of the risk intelligence too you know connecting back to how complaints are reported because i think that's a big thing is early on in, in risk assessment we um you know, as engineers, we, we like to to think of what could happen. We think of each part, you know, how, how it could break down and what, what could that result in. Um, but then tying that into how the complaints are going to be reported later on so that we can do better reporting and stuff. One of the things, w- what they use for complaint reporting is the IMDRF um, annexes for that. So you have your, they have a huge list of harms in annex E and annex F that are reported as part of the, the complaint reporting um, with the FDA. And then the hazards, uh, Annex A of the IMDRF is the hazard list. And so Greenlight's actually taken those, put those in to the ISO 14971 risk matrix that you build in Greenlight, so that you're choosing those and it aligns to then how complaints are reported. So you can see if you need to update your risk matrix later on as ah. you're actually getting complaints come in. And the cool part about the AI that's in it, is I don't know about you but I don't have those lists memorized for <laughs> no. those IMDRF <laughs> annexes all those harms and so when you go to like decide okay what harm do I want to select from that annex for for this particular line of my risk if you know if you type in like uh, I don't know broken bone or something like that that might not be an IMDRF uh, it might be like bone fracture or something like that. And so just a a standard search of like, if you type in broken or something like that, it's not going to pull up what you want. But we use that semantic search capabilities, that natural language processing that's built into AI tools such as ChatGPT, built our own semantic search then for the IMDRF codes. So you can type in something like one of the examples I've used with a customer is sniffles. You can type in sniffles, like this leads to them getting sniffles. And it comes up with all of these IMDRF codes related to that. So you don't have to know the annex. And so that's something where it's like in your day-to-day activities of like, I'm just building out my risk matrix. I want to align to these IMDRF codes. I don't know them. So rather than having to search through and find it, I just type it in and it's going to understand what I'm trying to say. It's based off of context and everything. It's going to understand what I'm trying to say and give me a list of results that i'm likely looking for so it's it's really neat and time saving for
1: sure oh yeah that's fantastic i love i love the uh the real world use you know instead of just saying hey ai we're focusing on the value which i think is really really cool
0: yeah yeah getting back to the fatigue thing i think that's You know, that that's one of our focuses here. And I hope it's it's a focus of you know the whole industry moving forward too, especially as other people start to feel this AI fatigue a bit, is like design for the solutions, design for those problems, those pains, the the impact that you want to have for the customers, like reduce time in setting up your risk matrix, allow them to set up their risk matrix earlier and more accurate to their product code. And it just happens to be AI that's helping with that, and I, I think that taking the direction that direction with AI is building it for a purpose is going to really, you know, allow people to use it more and reduce that fatigue.
1: Yeah, I I feel like we should talk about one of the the the, the concerns because we talked a little bit. Of, I, you might have mentioned the statistic: sixty five percent of uh, the people that we. Well, let me see here. Let me see if I can remember the number. Um, one of the primary concerns with ai was uh the inaccuracy of data or the answers that would be coming out and i think it was 65% of the the users were concerned with that how do you how do you address that when people bring that up or have you had those conversations
0: yeah yeah um obviously with our ai tools you know it's we are running verification validation on on the back end to make sure it's accurately pulling from the mod database um, for that side of the risk um tool and then the other side is just you know natural language processing so it's not overly complicated in that sense it's looking at a standardized list it's not pulling from other places but i think one of the things like if you're just like talking about chat gpt one of the things that you're nervous of is you don't know where it's pulling the data um so just having that understanding of okay i can trust the sources of where it's getting this information um that's big and just to know that like hey we're pulling from the mod database that's that's the information you're going to get or we're pulling from this imdrf list that's what you're going to get um i think that helps alleviate it a lot is knowing where those sources are coming from one of one of the other tools we're working on actually is i would say um it is not you could compare it to chat gpt i guess but it is it is a chat interface um but it's a bot or an ai tool that's trained to the medical device regulations and to the like FDA guidance documents. Whereas, as you type those same questions into a chat GPT, it could be pulling blog articles that Etienne wrote. And I don't know if you're not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would trust those. I would trust those for sure. But you don't know You don't know where it's pulling from. Like It could be pulling from forums yeah. um, that you can't fully trust and things like that if it's just a chat GPT. But using a tool that is purpose-built for the medical device industry and trained to the guidances and the regulations, you know that the answers that you're getting are going to be from the correct sources that you want them from. Um, so I think knowing the sources is really a big part of having more faith in the accuracy of the data.
1: I think the, the, the tool you're referring to is the digital guru, which right now it's in, I think we have a wait list. So by the yeah, time this comes yeah. out, it could possibly be out. I don't know. Um, there are things we could talk about, maybe things we can't, but I think that's a really good point. And you know, i before I leave that, I'll, 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 be sure and put those, uh, a link to that in the show notes, if anyone's interested in checking out that tool or getting on that wait list, but it's a really important thing that you mentioned. And that is what, uh, what's this been trained on when we talk about these large language models like chat gpt that is searching the internet i think it was trained up till 2021 you're basically looking at the wisdom of the crowd so so basically the the wisdom of the crowd which is which is good to a certain degree for certain things that's really great um i don't know if you've heard the example of if you have a jar of jelly beans with you know thousands of jelly beans and someone guesses how many there are in there uh, one person is going to be way off the next person might be way off. But if you take, you know, once you get to about a thousand, two thousand, three thousand people, they actually get really close when you average all the answers, which is really weird and just kind of yeah. blows my mind a little bit. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about some of these uh large language models that that take in all the data. But so you take take that model, think about that, and say, okay, well, what if we took just medical device professionals, just Guidance documents, just regulations, and now they're not just a, a random person guessing at a jelly bean. It's the person who put all of those jelly beans in that <laughs> bottle. They already get they they know the answer. So, uh,
0: I love that analogy. That's <laughs> they already know the answer. They, they counted them as they put it in. They had to create the uh, answer sheet. Yeah, no, that's so. that exactly. Yeah, I I think that that is a perfect analogy to explain it. And and honestly, it, that could be the correlation between the not trusting the accuracy of the data and also we saw you know quality and regulatory being low on the list of people using ai it it could be a both of those things it's just you know you don't know where the sources are coming from and that's important in quality and regulatory so yeah
1: well i highly recommend those of you who are listening check out the ai medtech trend report let us know what you think because i mean this isn't meant to be an exhaustive podcast on all things ai we really just wanted to put this on your radar so that you can Check out the report. Tell us what you think. Give us some feedback. Love to see where the industry is moving in the future. Um, hopefully we can do another one of these surveys next year and maybe get another pulse uh and let you know, keep you up to date on what things are where things are going. Any last thoughts, Wade, before we leave?
0: Uh no, I yeah, I I like that. I'd love to hear people other people's thoughts. Um and yeah, if there's any other tools that you use day to day help that help you, let us know that too, because I'd I'd love to try it out and I'd love to tell other people too and uh, help other people out. So yeah, let us know.
1: Very cool. Those of you, if you haven't met or don't know Wade, check him out on LinkedIn. He has some really great memes that he puts out there every now and then on MedTech, but, but also some very serious uh, things that he talks about as far as uh, related to the MedTech industry. So fun guy to follow on LinkedIn, check him out as well. All right. Thank you so much, everybody who's been listening. You've been listening to the global medical device podcast. We'll see you all next time. Take care. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, can I ask a special favor from you? Can you leave us a review on iTunes? I know most of us have never done that before, but if you're listening on the phone, look at the iTunes app, scroll down to the bottom where it says leave a review. It's actually really easy. Same thing with computer. Just look for that leave a review button. This helps others find us and it lets us know how we're doing. Also, I'd personally love to hear from you on LinkedIn. Reach out to me. I I read and respond to every message because hearing your feedback is the only way I'm going to get better. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.